Pushkin. Where do you see your career in 10 years? What are you doing now to help you get there? The sooner you start enhancing your skills, the sooner you'll be ready. That's why AARP has reskilling courses in a variety of categories like marketing and management to help your income live as long as you do. That's right. AARP has a bevy of free skill-building courses for you to choose from because the steps you choose to take today will help you love what you do in the future. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. It feels like searching the web is a problem that's been solved. You know, it's ridiculously easy for me to, say, find out when Alexander Hamilton was shot, 1804, or whether they are making Sing 3. Not yet. But Matthew McConaughey has expressed interest. And yet, and maybe this is not surprising, the people who spend their lives working on search do not think search is solved. This is partly because the people at the frontier of search don't just want to search the web. They want to answer every question that might cross your mind, even questions you can't put into words. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and this is What's Your Problem? The show where entrepreneurs and engineers talk about how they're going to change the world once they solve a few problems. My guest today is Kathy Edwards, Vice President and GM of Search at Google. Kathy's problem is this. How do you teach computers to tell people what they want to know, even if they don't know how to ask? Later in the conversation, we get to the frontier of what Kathy and Google are working on now. But we started with a problem they have largely solved in the six years Kathy has been at Google. The jump from search results based on keywords to search results based on natural language, the way people talk in everyday life. So... One of the problems that we were working on around six years ago is this problem of natural language queries. So if you are old enough to remember the early days of, of search on the internet, there was this idea of, of keywordies, right, that you had to sort of take this idea you had in your mind of what you what you needed to know and figure out what were the exact right keywords uh, to enter into the search engine to get your results back, right? Give me an example. And as an example, very early in the, you know, I remember being taught how to query back in, you know, 1999 and being told never use the word and, never use the word the, because the word and 
or the word the is in almost every document on the internet. And the way it worked back then is you did this word matching, right? And so if you had a word that was in your query and there was a, that same word in the document, then that document would be returned and potentially scored, right? And uh, that was very helpful if it was a word like genetics, right, which was highly specific and wasn't in a heap of documents on the internet. But the word and not very specific. And you know, in the very early days of the internet, these words weren't even weighted particularly, right? The word and would count for as much as the word genetics. And so a document might have a ton of the uses of the word and, and one use of the word genetics, and it would score really highly, even though it wasn't particularly genetics focused. Now, by the time you get to Google, that part is solved, right? Google by six years ago is weighting genetics more, more heavily than it's weighting the... Uh, but but what? What part six years ago was not solved that's solved now or solved-ish now? But we were still seeing people do these very keyword-oriented queries. So they weren't saying things like, what wine pairs best with chicken? Or if they were, they were doing those queries and getting not the best uh, results because not only is there a question of word matching and how much each word counts for, there's also the question of like, does the word what appear at all, right? Like are Uh the answers to that question actually just documents that talk about the best wine to pair with chicken is, you know, Chardonnay, right? And not so much uh, talking, you know, they didn't include the question. And so we sort of saw these like SEO uh, documents that would uh, spring up that would have the questions kind of baked in and an attempt to match, but those documents weren't necessarily the best answers. Uh-huh. And so this is when we started to go just that next level deeper in our language understanding with these AI models, their language models um, that really can start to map out in a concept space things like this sort of translation between how you might ask a query and then what that might look like in the document. So to take the example you gave of what wine pairs best with chicken, mm-hmm. even even as late as six years ago when you got to Google, you're saying Google wasn't great at delivering the best results to a query like that because it was written as speech, not written as a series of keywords. So six years ago, I would have been better off typing chicken wine pairing. I would have got better results if I did that, you're saying, because that's kind of the way, that's the way Google had mapped the web. It was like a series of important words and what sites are reliable. And they, it just, the technology wasn't there to actually try and understand the way people ask questions in real life. Absolutely. And and it was this idea of, of bringing AI into search and having these like large scale language models. Our first one was called BERT. We now use one called MOM, which is... Uh, we'll get to MOM, but let's talk about, let's try talking about BERT for a second. Sure. So how do you get from uh, search results that are fundamentally keyword based to search results that are fundamentally, you know, answering questions that are posed in a more natural way? Like, how do you make that leap? So the the fundamental insight is you go from looking at these words as tokens that, that get matched against each other to suddenly you look at all the words in all the documents on the internet and you create what's called an embedding space, which is essentially you can think of it as a map of the concepts that these documents know about. 
And suddenly by being able to say, okay, you can take a query, map that into the into this concept embedding space. You can take these documents, map that into the content embedding space. You can start to actually match together, not these words, but what people actually mean, what they actually mean when they ask these questions and what they actually mean when they write these, these web pages on the internet. That seems... I mean, A, it seems super hard, right? And B, as I'm parsing that, I'm tempted to use a lot of anthropomorphic language, right? I'm tempted to say, like, you have to go from the computer just sort of having a list of words and kind of weights around those words to the computer understanding what people mean. Like, am I right to say that? Or is that just my, like, layperson intuition getting in the way of what's going on? I mean, the first thing I'll say is I think we're very far away from the computer having any sort of sentience and truly understanding. But I think it is true, it is fair to say that there is a level of deeper understanding that you're not just looking at these words as, as you know, bits in a computer, but you're actually starting to model in a way that a human might brain, a brain might model uh, what what the concepts are. And I do think that's a first step of getting closer to this sort of natural human understanding. So is there a way to talk about how that works? It's it's pattern matching effectively, yeah. right? And it just so happens that if you magnify pattern matching on a very large scale, that can be a pretty compelling understanding. And so so that's the sort of big idea, the theory of how it works. I'm sure in actually building the thing, in building BERT, which was this, this mm -hmm. big uh, model uh, that did work, it wasn't that easy, right? I mean, is there, a, is there a story version of how you built it? So I think there were two hard points along the journey. The first hard point was just these models were being built at a scale that was unprecedented. The amount of information, you know, traditional neural networks would run on thousands, maybe millions of training examples. Okay. Suddenly you're trying to model all the, the words on the internet. And this scale, firstly, this scale is what gets you the amount of training to actually get the concepts modeled to be compelling. But frankly, the computers just couldn't process it. So you're, you're building this model and saying, okay, now to learn what you need to learn, read literally every word on the internet. Is that right? Yes. And not read it once because every layer of the neural net needs to read it and reprocess it, right? Uh -huh. So you're reading every word, you know, a massive number of times. And at the time, we didn't really have the compute power. You just needed more more computers essentially more more chips more 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 engines to just process and process and process so our research team uh, had developed these these chips that or these processes that were really optimized for doing this sort of deep learning work uh -huh. and it was that these chips and the way that we could sort of put all the chips together to work in concert to solve this problem that really unlocked the amount of processing huh. power needed to even build these models in the first place so the binding constraint wasn't like the the theory or the ideas of it like you knew how to do it you just didn't have enough enough horsepower to, to actually make it happen? Well, we knew that we could do it. We didn't know if it'd be any good, right? <laughs> it wasn't... It was an idea and you couldn't even try right. it. Right. Yeah. Right. And uh, so, so then we tried it and we found out, actually, this thing is 
pretty compelling. It can understand things that our models previously have never understood, you know. But I will say the second, and this gets to the second hard part, we, once we had these large-scale language models, we didn't quite know how to put them into search ranking. This was not something that had been done before. So we have in search this incredibly rigorous methodology for testing any given change to our algorithm. And it's, it's based in statistics and it statistically samples queries and we look at the before and the after and, and there's a scoring system to say, is it better or not? And I remember looking at the early experiments from the, this BERT integration into our, into our search engine and the queries that it was impacting were just queries that honestly before we would have said, we don't know how we can solve this query. And suddenly the model was just able to figure out these sort of unspoken concepts that just... Uh, our previous technology just would not have even been able to come close to. Like, give me an example. Like, what kind of thing? So here's a really great example. This is directly from the uh, the the one of the very first BERT um, evaluations that we did internally. And the query is, can you get medicine for someone pharmacy? Right. And so what's uh-huh. interesting about this question is the user's looking for something very specific. They're looking like maybe my partner is sick. Can I go and pick up their prescription at the pharmacy for them? Or does, do they have to go and get it? Right. It's also again, weirdly janky where it's half in natural language. Can you get mm-hmm. medicine for someone? And half in like keyword ease. They're just typing pharmacy at the end. Right. It's a weird exactly. search. Yeah. And so... Um, Previously, we didn't know how to parse out this intent, right? This idea, you know, we, we could tell that it was about getting a prescription from a pharmacy. But this notion of force someone was a concept that was just slightly too uh, complex. For oh, word I, I didn't even understand it until now. What they mean is, can I pick up someone else's prescription? That's what they're actually exactly. asking. But it's very... it's poorly worded, frankly, and therefore hard to figure out. Exactly, right? And so previously, before BERT, we would return these wonderful web pages saying, this is how you get a prescription filled, which you can imagine if you're this user doing this query, you're like, yeah, I already know how to get a prescription filled. Thanks. I know how to get it filled for me. What I need is filled for somebody else. Exactly. And with BERT, we were able to understand, pick up this idea of the for someone and put the appropriate weight on it, that that was the sort of, you know, discriminating thing in the query, that that was the, the key thing that the query turned on. And and then we were able to show this uh, this uh, web page that talked about, can I have a friend or family member pick up a prescription for me? And that was the sort of like aha moment where we could all just sit around and be like, wow, this is a new level of understanding that we haven't got to previously. So with Bert, Google got to the point where it was very, very good at dealing with words in a deep, complex way. But words make up less and less of the internet. Pictures and videos are a whole other story. That's coming up in a minute. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. 
Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. Upswell Marketing would like to remind our listeners that most people don't belong to two gyms, see two dentists, or trust two auto repair shops. So when customers choose your small business over your competitors, they're really choosing you. To help you focus on running your business, Upswell Marketing will handle everything from targeting your best fit audience through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads. In fact, that formula and media mix has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. They specialize in developing your direct response strategy, backed by 15 years of their data and industry expertise. And if you mention that you heard about Upswell on this show, you'll get 15% off your first order. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Now, back to the show. So you, you have got to this place now where you have, you Google, have made the leap from keyword-based searches to intention-based searches. What do people mean, right? Which is this big, interesting leap. And so I'm interested in kind of the next leap. Like, what's the next big, hard problem you're trying to solve? What's really interesting to me is this idea of how many questions you don't ask because you don't even know the words, right? Like, this is a bit of a sad story, but I, I have at my house this oak tree, and the oak tree, I think, is dead. And it's very sad for me because it's a very beautiful oak tree. And what's interesting is, you know, I, I looked at the oak tree. I'm like, wow, those leaves are kind of brown. Like, that's not it doesn't seem right to me. I wonder if there's something's wrong with the oak tree, right? But I can't necessarily right now really articulate that to a computer, this fundamental question of, is this oak tree dead? And if not, what can I do to save it, right? 
So what I do is I go and type in some queries. I say, you know, oak tree dead. How do I know if my oak tree is dead? You know, and, and I get back results. But those results aren't necessarily taking, well, they're not taking in any context of this particular tree and what do the leaves look like. And so this idea of how can you start to ask these questions using all of the information around you, using your camera to actually capture this particular oak tree, using your location to know, you know, what are the the native oaks in this area and what's the current incidence of sudden oak death syndrome, which is a thing that I have recently learned exists. Okay. So I get why this is a hard thing to search in a text box. Right. And so the thing that's interesting to me is how can we facilitate asking those types of questions where it's a mix of here's something that you're looking at, here's something that you're saying with your words that adds to the picture. You know, here's here's a lemon tree that's got some black spots on it. What's wrong with it? Like, how can you help me understand what I should do about this? You know, these sorts of questions, I think, are... Right now, we have to do a tremendous amount of work to try and translate these questions into text that we would issue to a search engine. We the and user. I, yeah. We, we no, the normal. user. Yeah. Yeah. Normal so, people. Yes. Yeah. We're all doing it. And yeah. and when you think it's, you know, sometimes it's very easy, right? Uh, but sometimes you're like really having to work hard to come up with a query that will actually get you the answers that you need. And I think that's really the next frontier for us is how do we on the query side, help users just naturally, intuitively express whatever information need they have. And then how do we understand the whole universe of information, not just the web pages, but all the images and video and audio out there, and take that that next level of like concept understanding to match those together so that we can get users even more precise answers that really help them. Great. So that's the like vast dream slash big problem. Can we reduce it a little bit so we can talk in sort of practical terms about what you're working on? I mean, I know there's this new AI model that uh, integrates images, like you can, you know, whatever, take a picture with the camera on your phone and put in text. So like, well, you have this new model and it, like the old one, has this warm, fuzzy acronym, right? It's called MUM, uh, which stands for, hold on, I got to look at my notes, the Multitask Unified Model. So like, tell me about MUM. So MUM is our, is our next level model that, uh, you know, Bert was about language. MUM is about uh, all these different modalities of information coming together. Particular images and language? I mean, is that if, if we really... Images and language. And... Uh, We've got some limited applications of it in search today. So, for example, you can um, take the take the photo of of uh, somebody's handbag and say you want to shop it, and that will work today. And that is like we were not able to do this previously, and that in and of itself is a big breakthrough. But there's still so much headroom, right? Like there's still so much ability to say. You know, we you can add sort of. I would I would classify our current. Um, ability to process words in this multimodal context as, you know, kind of like back in the early days days of the internet. You can say near me to find where you can buy it near me. You can say buy, but you can't 
necessarily like ask an incredibly complicated question about a picture, right? Like, so, so we're kind of back to keywords in this new mm-hmm. pictures plus words universe. Let me ask a dumb question: Why? Why can't you just take all of your brilliant uh, intent AI and copy and paste it to fit with the image AI? So a couple of things. The first is that uh, anytime we develop sort of this new technology, we also need to see how users start using it, right? Uh-huh. And so I think it's also fair to say that we don't have, um, you know, we have a ton of people using this, but we we haven't yet, there hasn't been time for that new technology to really be uh, accepted by the world. And then we have this vast uh, set of queries that we're doing poorly on, right? Uh-huh. So that's the other thing you should know about Google. We spend a lot of time looking at the queries where we're failing. That's one of the other reasons we have a deep appreciation of how un- search is an unsolved problem, uh-huh. because we're just constantly looking at queries where the user's clearly not getting what they're looking for. And and I use that as a as a seed to figure out how to make things better. So do I understand you that the fundamental thing you need now is just lots of people to use this thing so you can see the weird ways people search and the things they sort of do that are hard to understand? That's certainly one of the things we need. I mean, it is it is um, fundamentally search works in service of our users, right? And so understanding the the uh, failures is is critical to how we get better. I think there are also just things that we know that we need to do on the AI and the model side that we'll continue working through, right? The the ability to really um, bring together more of the, the you know, two-step process of how do you conceptually understand the words, conceptually understand the image, and then bring those two things together uh, and have that be a bit deeper on both sides rather than just the combination together and those sorts of things. Um, but yeah, I mean, people coming in and using it and then having a bad time will then make it better. It seems like there have been two main threads of AI research. One is basically language and the other is basically vision and images. I mean, is it is it right to think of what you're trying to do as the synthesis of those two sort of main AI traditions? Yeah, I think so. I think um, it is clearly the case that just like uh, you know, with Bert, we we took all these words and we got down to concepts, right? Mm-hmm. It is clearly the case that human beings understand the world through concepts and they do that visually and they do that with language. And ultimately the concepts are the same, right? So uh-huh. being able being able to say, okay, here's a, here's a concept and we can attach to that what that concept looks like or that vi- visual representation of that concept as much as it has one and the words surrounding that concept that's when we can really unlock this true natural way of, of understanding the world uh, that we think is, is going to enable people to ask all those questions that they have that they're not asking right now. Are there applications that go beyond search that come to mind if you figure this out? Yeah, I mean, I think that... Um, uh, search has this connotation of of kind of find what's out there. Um, I think there's something, you know, we're thinking about what this looks like in the generative 
uh, space. So for example, if you're looking for, uh, you know, I bake birthday cakes and sometimes I, for my kids, and sometimes what my kids want in a birthday cake just actually doesn't exist on the internet, right? Or there's like only one or two. So then I have to come up with it myself. And like, what if um, AI could help us generate a sample image just based on these concepts that I could then use for inspiration. I think that's a pretty interesting concept. Um, there's obviously a lot of things that we need to be very thoughtful about in this space as we do it. Um, but I think this idea of extending search past the notion of connecting you with the information that's out there to actually synthesizing new information for you is pretty, pretty interesting and, and something we're talking about a lot. You know, one of the things that has become clear to me talking with you is clearly, I think, too narrowly about search, right? I have this very kind of 20 years ago idea of like searching text on the web. And mm -hmm. the web has become much less text-based in that time, right? Uh, Absolutely. You know, the web includes Instagram. The web includes TikTok. And those are places where Weirdly to me, lots of people go to search, like people go on TikTok to find whatever, where to go out to eat, which would never occur to me. So, I mean, is that part of the sort of motivation on some level for you to figure out, oh, what, right, text, that's not enough, clearly. We got to figure out how to search in video and what does that even mean? I think we're really driven by what our users are telling us. And we just have really robust mechanisms for... Uh, understanding what our users are doing. And it's pretty clear that that people around the world find image and video content to be pretty compelling, right? Yes, that uh, is that, indeed clear. I mean, that's sort of a, a um, very obvious statement. But, yeah. you know, the internet in the early days, it was bandwidth constrained. It was technology constrained. It had to be words because that's what the technology enabled. Not necessarily because that's what human beings most enjoy in terms of an information consumption experience. And so we really are driven by what we're seeing in the user trends. And we're really driven by just this mission of how do we keep helping people get the best answers to their questions uh, that, that we can give them. In a minute, the lightning round, including what you learn about the internet when you spend six years working at Google Search. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wisefriend. 
Upswell Marketing would like to remind our listeners that most people don't belong to two gyms, see two dentists, or trust two auto repair shops. So when customers choose your small business over your competitors, they're really choosing you. To help you focus on running your business, Upswell Marketing will handle everything from targeting your best fit audience through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads. In fact, that formula and media mix has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. They specialize in developing your direct response strategy, backed by 15 years of their data and industry expertise. And if you mention that you heard about Upswell on this show, you'll get 15% off your first order. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. Kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. Now let's get back to the show. I want to do a lightning round. We close usually with a lightning round on this show. Mm -hmm. uh, just a bunch of relatively quick questions. So in this instance, I Googled best lightning round questions. Uh, and right <laughs> at the top of the search results page, I didn't even have to click through, is this bulleted list? I'm just going to give you a few from there. Sounds good. F favorite day of the week. Oh, uh, Monday, because I uh, get to go to work and uh, not deal with my kids all day, who I love very dearly. Um, good. Favorite city in U.S. besides the one you live in? I'm just reading here. New York City. Thank you. Uh, would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Speak every language in the world. I'm shocked, to be honest. Although I get that like Google really? might actually figure that out. Does it not seem like you can already get a translator for every language? Talking to animals would be like a revolution in human understanding of the natural world. I guess, but I do not speak any languages, really, and I constantly feel bad about it. So maybe that was just a personal, okay, fair. personal feeling of weakness. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So we're, now we're pivoting out of the Google lightning round questions into my own bespoke lightning round questions. Uh, what's your favorite kind of cake to bake? Oh, well, so uh, I really make these like quite elaborate cakes um, for my children um, because I want them to be able to grow up and say, wow, I remember you making great cakes for us, mostly. <laughs> so I recently made, um, um, in one of my kids plays Minecraft a lot, and there is a 
character called a slime, which is a sort of jelly blob that kind of jumps on top of you and kills you if you don't fight it off. And so I made a, a slime cake with a cake embedded in, in the jelly. So big idea one here. What do you think you understand about the internet that most people don't understand? Oh, I like this one. I think most people don't understand how much it changes every day. And, you know, so we have this astonishing stat that even I didn't believe when I heard it, which is that 15% of the queries Google sees every day, we have never seen before. And that happens every day that there's 15% are just completely new. And the same happens on the internet side. Every day, we index a ton of new content that we've never seen before about ideas that are completely new to humanity at that time, right? And, you know, we have to be able to continually understand that and, and keep up. And I, I think that people sort of have this idea that there's a fixed amount of information out there, but actually human beings are astonishingly productive and are constantly coming up with new ideas. If everything goes well, what problem will you be trying to solve in five years? I will still be working on making Google search better for all our users. I think we will we I think we will be working on this for the next hundred years. Is there a narrower answer? Like this particular problem you're working on now of integrating image and words, basically. Like you think you'll obviously it won't be completely solved, but you think that'll basically work? And if so, is there a next thing? I think the problem of, uh, of of video, I think, will continue to be hard because there's just such a large amount of information in a given video. Um, the other problem that I'm really interested in is uh, helping people pause information with helpful context. So, like how you know we've we've unleashed the all of the world's information on people. How do you actually help help them? sift through that and make good decisions, whether it's choosing a reliable merchant to buy from or finding reliable medical information. How do you help people make those decisions for themselves and be literate with their information choices? What's one piece of advice you'd give to someone trying to solve a hard problem? Um, I would say find a really great group of people to help solve it with you because generally trying to solve hard things by yourself ends up being an act in frustration. Kathy Edwards is Vice President and GM of Search at Google. Today's show was edited by Robert Smith, produced by Edith Russolo, and engineered by Amanda K. Wong. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and we'll be back next week with another episode of What's Your Problem? Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.